podcast is not affiliated with nor does it speak on behalf of any company, organization, or firm. This is based on the personal experiences and opinions of individual professionals and students. Welcome to our podcast, The Coding Corporate America. I am Erica. And I am Sashala. This is Season 2, Episode 3, Silicon Valley. Today, we are welcoming our friend and today's guest, Gregory Mathador. I've known Gregory for 25 years, so we've known each other since the womb. And the reason why I say that, because I'm not trying to age us today, okay? (laughs) Greg is an engineer and manager for one of the largest technology companies out in Silicon Valley. We thought it was important to spotlight Greg on this season to learn more about his illustrious career and also provide insight to you all into how you can seek opportunities within the technology industry. And with that, Greg, please just introduce yourself to us. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Glad to have the opportunity to do this. As Sala mentioned, um, we go way back. Way back. (laughs) (laughs) So just a little bit even further before that, my family migrated to America from Haiti. So I'm actually a first-generation Haitian-American. And when they came here, migrated to, to Brooklyn, New York, as most, most Haitians do coming here. And from there, my mother um, took me over to Jersey City. So that's where I went to, to high school. And that's where Sal and I met up. And then from there, went to Rutgers University for undergraduate studies in electrical and computer engineering. Then from there, started my professional working career at General Electric. And while working as a full-time employee at General Electric, also had the, the benefit of being able to get my master's part-time while having them actually pay for it. Part of a leadership development program there at General Electric and got my master's through Georgia Tech in electrical engineering again. Then went from there into the defense industry which springboarded me into where I am today, which is ultimately where I wanted to get to, which is the consumer electronics industry. That is amazing. Yes, part-time masters. Okay. Yes, and part-time that is masters. being paid for. Woo-woo. I love it. Exactly. <laughs> so the free part. The about. free part. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. That's yes. amazing. So, Greg, tell us. What exactly do you do? It sounds really complicated. So please explain to us in layman's term. And then also tell us, why do you love what you do as well? Yeah. So the, the industry buzz term, right? I'm a technical program manager. What does that mean? And, and the best way I could kind of explain it to mm-hmm. folks is, you know, to, to give you something that most people are more familiar with. If you think about it, I'm just working on, you know, building consumer electronics. So if you make that a parallel to people that, um, let's say, that are building a house, for example, what does it take to build a house? Uh, And in that, you know, you have a different array of folks that are going to be working on building that house, which is pretty much the project or some people will call it the program, right? Technology space. And as you have this project where you're building the house, you'll have mm-hmm. contractors, you know, that'll be doing the, the construction. You'll have folks that are doing the landscaping. You'll have plumbers. You'll have electricians. So you'll have these different cross-functional contractors that are working on the project and, you know, they need someone that kind of has the pic- bigger picture of the house at the end of the day as a project 
and having all that come together uh, from a cost standpoint, a schedule standpoint, and you know, a technical risk standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I, as the you know, technical program manager, right, are looking at those three things cost, schedule, and and technical risk as the engineering team is working more mm-hmm. on the technical hands-on aspect of building, you know, said consumer electronic product, right? So like if you take for example, a phone, right? There's a, a, a different array of engineers that you can have from software engineers, electrical engineers, uh, people working on power supplies. You'll have HI, which is human interfacing, people working on displays. So there's, a, you, you, you'll have a team of like 30 mm-hmm. different people, right? And even within those 30 different cross functions, as they're called, right? Um, you still have X amount of program managers that are interfacing with each of those smaller groups right. of hands-on people to look at the bigger picture and make sure everything is coming together nicely. So that's what a technical program manager does. Wow. That sounds super cool. So, I mean, I'm already loving what you do. So you got to tell me, why do you love what you do? And our listeners as well. Man, t- quite simply, at the end of the day, um, I know this answer might be vain, but ha- seeing people interact with uh, a product that I spent, you know, 18 plus months working on and the joy that that they get out of it, um, mm-hmm. knowing that I put that there is is the greatest feeling in the world. Right. Um, right. Once the, the, the rubber meets the road and, you know, the, the commercials start going up and you start seeing the advertisements on on social media and then now you can even see people commenting on on social media about how how they 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 view the product whether it's good news or bad news um hopefully it's more good news than bad news but um, <laughs> i really get the joy out of out of those responses and and seeing people using it in their day to day i actually remember the first time uh when i saw someone wearing uh, headphones that I had developed on the subway. And, you know, they mm. didn't even realize like, hey, the guy sitting across from them That's literally the- just, <laughs> you know, helped release those something like two months right. ago at that point when when I was on the train it with them. Is. Um, and they were definitely jamming to it. And, you know, that, that put a special place in my heart. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You know, what are the challenges that excite you about your role? Yeah, the, the the challenges that are exciting is, you know, having to be innovative, finding new problems to solve, because at the end of the day, that's that's the whole point of mm-hmm. technology, right, is is to make our lives simpler and, you know, trying to find new technologies that can do that. And also at the same time, trying to find new ways to leverage existing technologies to make our lives simpler. It's it, It's definitely a challenge and it requires folks to work collaboratively. You have to be always in a exploratory mode, looking to learn mm-hmm. and also collaborative working, as I mentioned, as you're learning, um, you know, you're learning from, from people on your left, people from on your right to, at the end of the day, come up with a new idea that you can, you know, do something different. Awesome. Now, you know what, this leads us into our next set of questions, right? So, now, what tips do you have for students who are interested in securing an internship in Silicon Valley? We specifically want to know what's in the secret sauce. The, the secret sauce is really networking and being open to not getting initially exactly the role you want or maybe even the company you want, but understanding that 
all right, right, here's the first step. And I see how I can utilize this first step in a, in a series of steps that will ultimately get me to where I want to be. And if you're looking for, you know, the proper channels as to, hey, how can I get my foot in the door? Some things that I know have worked for other folks and also from, from myself as well. There's things like the GEM fellowship program, which is dedicated towards more folks that are having their masters and working on their PhD and helping them to get into industries. There's also the HBCU scholars program, which do something similar, but more for, for college students, as well as inroads, which is where I myself got my first internship. And it gave me a, a lot of technical and non-technical, which, you know, most folks will say soft skills that helped me in kind of facilitating my career and being able to, as an intern, come into the company and be able to have conversations with folks that are, you know, like 20 plus years my senior and being able to understand, like, how do I report? Who do I report to? Who can I ask for questions? How do I, how do I look for mentors? Even trying to understand what I should be getting out of a mentorship, you know? So inroads was uh, definitely a big help at the starting point of my career. And then lastly, I would say career fairs. Leverage college organization career fairs because again, that's part of networking, you know, going to these career fairs, meeting other students as well, right? Because hey, people you know are getting internships and maybe you could network, right? And start in interfacing with them, getting to know them a little mm. bit better about how they got in on their journey and maybe even they can help you get your foot into the door. So definitely career fairs are a great place for networking, both with your peers and with potential hiring companies. You know what? All interesting and very valuable tips. Um, and you know what? You're you're a bit younger than my husband, and he actually utilized both the GE Young Fellowship and Inroads. So I'm really glad to hear that that's still something that people are leveraging. And I love that you have mentioned the career fairs bit because it's a constant theme that we've been hearing from some of our other guests. So thank you for that. Yeah, so for sure. now, I, I just wanted to add that op CEO, that's a grad or a fellow from Inroads, and that's Thesunda Duckett. So who we love. Thesunda, we're trying to get you on our, we're, we're trying to get you on here. So if you're hearing or if anyone knows her, let's try to know what we get her on here. Let's get her on. She was so the former CEO of JPM's consumer banking business. And then now she is the CEO of TIAA. So that's dope. Okay, good. I'm I'm really glad to hear that. So thank you for sharing those uh, tips. Now, here's the bit that a lot of students want to know as well. So what can students do when they're rejected after applying for an internship? Because we got to come with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Listen, when you're rejected, best thing you could do is view it not as a loss, but as a lesson. Understand why the rejection happened. Um, and then from there, Take the corrective action to actually improve upon where you might have been lacking. So that way, the next time that opportunity comes up, you'll be better prepared and can capitalize on, on the opportunity. Uh, the perfect example I, I have of that, you know, starting off early in my, my career, you know, circling back to me being an inroads intern and, you know, interviewing with different companies, trying to get that first internship. At that time when I was at college, you know, my dream internship job being on the East Coast, you know, everything being more defense related versus on the West Coast where things are more uh, consumer electronics related. Lockheed Martin was the place for me to be an intern doing hands-on electrical engineering work. 
And I got the opportunity to have that first interview. And I'm sitting there on the phone talking with this lady and she's like, hey, you know, do you drive? And I'm like, uh, no, I don't, I don't have a car, but I, I can find my way into the, into the job site, you know, taking bus. That shouldn't be a problem. And then she, she kind of responded to me and was like, you know, the bus might be a bit of a problem because it's kind of far. The closest stop is kind of far from the job site. And it's like actually a few miles away. And you'll probably would have to be going up a mountain. And I'm like, that's not a problem. I, I can learn to ride a bike. And mind you, this is Listen. me thinking like I can learn to ride a bike, right? This is, so this, this is so real. This is so real. Yes. And and make this happen. Um, so, so, you know, she, she politely was like, you know, I, I think it would probably be too much of a challenge because, you know, I don't foresee this being something that could work. So I took that note, right? One, I didn't have any issues in terms of skill level. It wasn't that. The, the, the thing that was hindering me was having a vehicle. So fortunately, I was able to get my actual first internship, which ended up being at Budweiser. While, although not ideal, in terms of getting me to where I wanted to be at the end of the day with that hands-on electronic design experience, it did give me two things. The first, the opportunity to actually learn about being in a corporate environment and as an engineer and working with you know others that are more senior to me and trying to be able to communicate what I need, being able to understand how to take direction. So it gave me some of those initial corporate soft skills, I would say, that I needed which was great, right? That's one. And then two, the second part being that it actually gave me the opportunity to buy a car ultimately. That first internship, you know, was not somewhere that was near my job. I actually had to to walk to the train station, then from there, take the train to a bus. And then from the bus, I actually had to get off on the side of the highway. And this was like a major highway. This this was Route 1 oh in New God. Jersey. So anybody who's familiar with Route 1 in New Jersey, trying to get the Budweiser across from the airport, is me walking along the side of a road every morning, rain, sleet, you know, every morning That's trying not, to get into oh the office. Gosh. And, you know, what would have been like 20 minute commute ended up being like an hour and a half commute for me. But I did that for a summer and a winter and saved up enough money where I could get a car the next summer. So that's how I got my first car. You got to take these things in stride, learn why the rejection happened, and then see how you can correct it. And then from at the same point in time, ultimately, I got to where I wanted to be in my career, which was in consumer electronics. But the road there wasn't a straight one. But at the end of the day, I got there and I made it happen. So that's the best advice I could give. That is amazing. Listen, you know, what I loved Mm -hmm. with this is how you persevered and you had a vision. You knew ultimately where you wanted to be and you did everything in your power, regardless of rain, sleet or snow on the side of the highway, on your feet. You made it happen. So that is amazing. And I love the point that you had made in terms of receiving feedback. You know, it's definitely something mm. that I also share with others. So that that's amazing. But you know what, before I go into too much of this, let's just do a quick recap what you've shared. Now, what you shared in terms of uh, what tips you had for students, and I'm glad that you, you laid it out this simply. So you had um, 
really emphasize on networking and taking a series of steps to get to where you need to be. So uh, you shared four different paths uh, that folks could take that, you know, commonly listen to our podcast. So the GE Young Fellowship Program, excellent. You have mentioned this is typically those who are working on their master's and PhD. There's also the HBCU Scholars Program, which is typically more for college students. Also for inroads, and I'm glad Shashai let you share that e- example. And then career fairs. Now, this again, like I had mentioned earlier, is a common theme that we've definitely been seeing throughout this season. Take advantage mm-hmm. of this, folks. This will give you an opportunity to not only meet other people, but in organizations, but also other students. You can understand what's working for others and how they've gotten to where they've gotten to in their journey. So, Greg, thank you so much for laying out like like that. And I love uh, where you had shared in terms of what students can do when they're rejected view it not as a loss, but as a lesson. Take the time to ask why the rejection happened. This is very important. This is gold, folks. Make sure that you spend the time to actually ask that question. If Mm. folks give this to you, it's something that you can work to develop on. Like in Greg's example, it was as simple as not having a car. So that really made him hyper-focused beyond just doing well in his next path was also understanding what tools he needed to do to actually get to a more sustainable place so that he could support his future internships. So I really love that you had provided that. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks. Um, Well said. As always, Erica, you nailed it. Greg, I love that last story just about rejection and just perseverance. So folks, you know the deal. We are wrapping this up. Greg, where can folks contact you? Yeah, folks can definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm very personable and and approachable. So just send me a message and for sure, I'll, I'll definitely reply. So thank you all for tuning in. And if you have any questions that you want us to decode, send us a DM on social media or email us at decodingcorporateamerica at gmail.com. Remember to subscribe, like, and rate our podcast. Your feedback is important as we aim to be the best corporate podcast out. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.